Well, hello there, and welcome to episode 28 of Musical Connections. I'm your host, as always, Zach Snow. We got another great episode lined up for you this week, as we are next to connect with Adam Staple. He's got a brand new EP coming out June 27th called Quiet Part Loud. We're going to talk to him all about that and how his battles with his panic disorders and agoraphobia inspired not just that record, but Super Antihero. It was a wonderful conversation, and thanks to Adam for joining me as my guest. And we will get to that conversation right after this week's newfound releases. Well, the newfound releases this week has not been as busy as the ones in the past couple of weeks where I've just been flat out with new music. But this lineup of newfound releases is just as star-studded. We're going to start out with Twillingate's own Seven View Studios founder, Clint Curtis. Of course, you may be familiar with Clint Curtis's work, producing for the likes of Lorna Lovell, Jenny Mallard, Justin Fancy, who he has really blown up with, Damian Follett, Peter Vance, who actually has a single coming out in the next few weeks, which we will feature on new fan releases, so stay tuned for that. But um, he also makes his own music. Right now, here is his 1980s-inspired track, We Run, on the newfound releases portion of Musical Connections. Stone 
is with We Run. And we are now going to go to singer-songwriter Darcy Scott. I was at Darcy Scott's album release show for his debut album, Wasted Spaces, and it was a fun show. And congratulations to Darcy on finally getting that new album out. Here's the title track for you on the new fan releases portion of Musical Connections. Where do I go? 
Darcy Scott with the title track of his brand new album that is Wasted Spaces. And now we are going to go to hip-hop and R&B artist Jainer. Right now, here's his new tune, and it is a banger of a track. This is You and I on the newfound releases portion of Musical Connections. Hey Ross, so tell me up. that it's you and I Tell me everything you're gonna do tonight I don't think that I can get it through my mind I've been hella faded, overcomplicated Now I'd like so to tell me that it's you and I Tell me everything you're gonna do tonight I don't think that I can get it through my mind I've been hella faded, overcomplicated Now I'd like to disagree I money never change when it comes But now you wanna run game when you go like this See the ego when you gain when you fall Overcomplicated, now I'd like to disagree so why you always thought we'd be a one and done Cause if you're trying to run game, I ain't trying to run a chain You've been trying to get me up and out my comfort zone But I'm the only one to blame and I never got the fame, no I thought you know this soul I thought you'd go with me tonight And you don't ever need to go So what can we be tonight? So tell me that it's you and I Tell me everything you're gonna do tonight I don't think that I can get it through my mind I've been hella faded, overcomplicated Now I'd like to so tell me that it's you and I Tell me everything you're gonna do tonight I don't think that I can get it through my mind I've been hella faded, overcomplicated Now I'd like to disagree I don't ever need to see it so Don't we forget Tell me that it's you and I Tell me everything you're gonna do tonight I don't think that I can get it through my mind I've been hella faded, overcomplicated Now I'd like to tell me that it's you and I Tell me everything you're gonna do tonight I don't think that I can get it through my mind I've been hella faded, overcomplicated Now I'd like to disagree money never change when it comes But now you wanna run game when you go like this See the ego when you gain when you fall Overcomplicated, now I'd like to disagree. A little Janer for you with You and I. And I think you and I can agree that this next newfound release is a dandy. It comes from Rum Ragged, and it is the first single off their forthcoming album set to come out in the fall. It is called Gone Jigging. And ever since I received this song a few weeks ago, I have not got it out of my head since. Here's that new tune from their new album coming out in the fall. This is Lazy Afternoon on Newfound Releases. It's a lazy afternoon. I'd love to hear a lonesome tune come lifting and drifting by my ears. To make sure what blues that may have gathered round get blown away and like the nasty shadows disappear. And it's okay if you will stick around. You made my day the day you came to town. Sing a song for the dusty road I've been a trifle overloaded Carrying a bit more than I need Still I really go nowhere I 
I settle down in a big armchair The fire is blazing, sitting lazily And it's okay if you will stick around You made my day the day you came to town Sweet Belinda walks on by She nods her head and she winks an eye As if to say it's good to see you here Would you have a cup of tea? It really means a lot to me To know that you're around this time of year And it's okay if you will stick around You made my day the day you came to town It's a lazy afternoon I'd love to hear a lonesome tune Come lifting and drifting by my ears To make sure what blues that may have gathered round Get blown away and like the nastiest shadows disappear And it's okay if you will stick away day you came to town and it's okay if you will stick around you made my day the day you came to with Lazy Afternoon from their brand new album set to come out in the fall, Gone Jigging. And we wrap up with an album drop from Selena Boland. Her brand new album, All These Hours, came out last Friday. I had to listen to it over the weekend, and what a great album it is. And uh, Selena uh, gave me a nice uh, shout-out on her post uh, talking about her brand new album, so thank you so much for the love, Selena. It's an honor and a privilege to feature your brand new music here on the podcast and here's the first track that you'll hear on all these hours with a little help from gina burgess this is falling through on newfound releases
Once again, a huge thank you to all the artists who have sent me music this week for newfound releases. And now we are next to connect with singer-songwriter, producer, teacher, and drummer, Adam Staple. We talk about his brand new album set to come out on June 27th called Quiet Heart Loud. We also talk about his battles with mental health, dealing with panic disorders, and agoraphobia. And we also talk about his career in general, working with the likes of Kay Rosetta, Alan Doyle, The Punters, Dave Panting, as well as Drive and The Planks. So sit back and relax and enjoy my interview with Adam Staple, singer-songwriter, producer, and drummer extraordinaire. Alrighty, welcome back to Musical Connections. I'm your host, Zach Snow, and joining me right now, this indie rock drummer has been on the scene for almost 35 years. He's played with the likes Ooh. of... <laughs> and you can tell him um, he's done it all. He's played with the likes of the Upsalong Singers, Drive, The Planks, The Punters, Hey Rosetta, Alan Doyle, and a whole lot more. And he also has two solo albums to his name, the most recent one coming out in a couple of weeks' time, which is called Quiet Part Loud. And joining me right now to talk all about that and his career in general, the man, the myth, the legend, Adam Staple. Adam, welcome to Musical Connection, sir. Thank you, Zach. Glad to be here. And uh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, of course, uh, when I found out that you were releasing a brand new album, um, I was ex- I was excited to hear about it because um, I, when I first uh, emailed you to get the song for newfound releases, which I aired uh, about a couple of weeks ago, by the time that this does air, it it was great to you know see you releasing music once again. And um, I tried to get you on for a chat, so no better time than right now to do it. Absolutely. Can't wait. Awesome. So um, I like to ask this uh, of all my guests uh, that come on Musical Connections. How are things in your world right now, Adam? <laughs> How are things in my world right now? My world is, uh, well, it's it's interesting right now. I've got a couple of kids, you know, 9 and 11, so uh, so I'm doing that kind of thing. Um, but, uh, you know, in, in general, things are good. I'm really happy to have this uh, to have this new EP, you know, coming out, and to have songs out there for people to listen to because that really is, you know, it's one of my driving principles is to uh, is to make music for people to listen to, and um, I'm not really playing live anymore, um, so recording, you know, getting stuff out there in people's ears is really that's that's my jam right now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And uh, the last time I did see you was. Um... And I actually got to like meet you um, that night. Uh, you were playing at the uh, Plank Show, which was which was like delayed for like two years plus. Because I remember. Um, oh yes, yeah, that was uh, that was the show at the uh, the show at the Ship Pub. That was the show that we had originally um, booked for uh, 2020, of course. And and Zach, I don't know if you remember 2020, but it was a little bit of an odd year. I don't um, uh, in terms of trying to play live, who right? Doesn't... It was a little bit of a strange year that way. I mean, no one wants so, to remember 2020 ever because it, it felt like 2020 went on for like two years. Yeah, yeah well, and and really in terms of this, uh, in terms of that gig, that's kind of what happened because you know we had a gig that was uh, it was uh, Kelly Russell and the Planks with um, the I guess. The other band, which uh, shares some DNA with uh, Kelly Russell and the Planks, the Seven Deadly Sons, and we were going to do this show at the ship in 2020, and then of course everything shut down, got pooched, and we said, well, you know, I guess we'll just wait until it becomes possible, 
And the next year, 2021, it looked like it was going to be possible. And then, of course, we had that uh, second wave and everything kind of shut down again. We went, God damn, what are we going to do? <laughs> and finally, we got to do it in uh, 2022, a, a two-year delayed gig. And uh, yeah, it was good. It was a good night. I don't remember a whole lot of it myself. I was having a little bit of uh, panic issues at the time, but hey, that's something we can talk about. <laughs> yeah, and we'll definitely re- uh, talk about that uh, later on in this conversation. And uh, I do remember that uh, gig uh, very well, though. It was a really fun one, and um, just see you guys uh, tear up the ship. And uh, of course, the ship's a really nice venue. And uh, you know why? Like they've won Venue of the Year for ECMAs and. Um, Music and Hell Awards, like, countless times each and every single year. It's that good of a venue. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, I mean, like, I think back, like, the number of times I've played at the ship over the years, not, of course, just with Kelly Russell and the Planks, but with so with so many bands. I mean, so many nights at the ship uh-huh. gigging have just been, you know, nights that fill the soul, right? You know, they're just really, really important, uh, really important venue. And then not even that, not even you know, bands doing their thing, but stuff like sound symposium shows and folk nights and that. I mean, it's just, I don't, you'd be hard pressed to find a venue. I think certainly in Newfoundland, be hard pressed to find a venue that was more consistently incubating, you know, artists, new artists doing their thing. Oh, 100%. And uh, of Mm -hmm. course uh, we will uh, talk more about those uh, gigs and stuff, but I want to go back to your early career too. Um, so what cool. drew you to music in the first place, Adam? Oh, I had a uh, I had a musical upbringing. My dad was uh, my dad played in bands way back. I think he was in one of the first bands that ever got recorded uh, uh, in Central. He was in a band in uh, called the Airship um, in Gander uh, in the sixties, and he played uh, he played keyboards and saying in that band. So like there's wonderful tapes from back in the day of dad doing like whiter shade of pale, you know, the old Procol Harum tune. And then, and so that was fun. So there was always guitar and um, keyboard and all that kind of thing kicking around the house that, and I just, it was just a natural thing, you know, to uh, tool around on the, uh, on the keyboard or figure out how the guitar worked. It was largely self-taught. I didn't really take music lessons until, until I was a teenager. Yeah, that's wicked. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I would imagine one of those instruments that you took uh, lessons from was drumming. Of course, um, of course, uh, you drummed for the likes of Drive and the Planks. Um, who was your main drumming influence uh, there, uh, Adam? Ooh. Well, I guess like in terms of the one that I heard and went, "Ooh, ooh, that's interesting. I can do that. I want to do that for the rest of my life." That would have been Stuart Copeland for sure uh, from the Police. Um, listening to like, you know, all the stuff that he did on the, you know, Message in a Bottle and the records like that, like Outlandus and Ricketta. I mean, that that was just incredibly inspiring stuff to me. And I, I guess, I don't know why, because, you know, at that point, I didn't really, <laughs> I wasn't well-versed enough in other drummers to really hear what the difference was. But, I mean, Copeland just, he did things that, nobody else did he approached it a completely different way from a lot of what other drummers were doing well you know other drummers would focus on the backbeat right and here's here's your two and four and here's your kick drum and all of that mm-hmm. and copeland's style was very um it was all it was all up in the hands so it was all up in the sticks and the hi-hats and the side click and all of that and it just it was a different kind of a different kind of thing almost like minimalist drumming 
And at the same time, I love Neil Peart because how can you grow up as a drummer, a teenage drummer in in Canada and not idolize Neil Peart, you know? So there was that. Right. And I guess the other thing too is, uh, and uh, when I started taking lessons, I took lessons from uh, Don Wary, um, the late, the great Don Wary, who was also the guy who, you know, started a, a sound symposium as well. And he, uh, equally as much as any of the, uh, you know, big famous guys, the Copeland or anything like that, he was a absolute inspiration, absolute guru to me, and not just to me, but to a lot of drummers in Newfoundland. I'm sure there's a lot that if you, like, if you ask guys like Romano Danilo, Ed Spires, uh, Scott Mansfield, any of these guys, they'd probably name check, you know, Don Wary as well as a huge influence. He just had this idea of, you know, music being a real art form and being completely free with it, you know, not mm-hmm. just the standard things or copying what other people had done. He was always about letting your own thing out. Yeah, that's wonderful. Now, um, the first recording to uh, my knowledge from um, when I was researching for this uh, conversation here, you recorded uh, Bridges in 1990 with the Upsalong Singers. Now, um, correct me if I'm <laughs> wrong here. I don't know if that's the right date, but um. You can uh, let me know more about it. But um, what do you remember most about recording that record? That uh, actually, uh, 1990, that is, uh, that is really, that is not correct for sure. That record came about um, in the mid 90s for sure. That was more of a 96, 97 kind of thing. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah, so that was uh, that was quite a ways along. But that record actually I did because the, that was fun to do because my father was in that band. The uh, the Upsilon singers were that was their um, kind of a folk music uh, group that they did back in the day when they were all um, you know in university themselves. So this was a record that they were doing kind of as a document, you know, twenty five thirty years later. And I uh, just they asked me to come in and drop a couple of uh, tracks of percussion on it, um, you know, just and and it was fun to be able to do something there where I was recording something with my dad. And so at the time, we actually recorded it in the same space that we were recording the Kelly Russell and Planks record. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, with uh, with Tom Ronan down in the old, uh, the old uh, Nickel Theater Studios. And uh, so we got, uh, we got Dad to come in. He played uh, acoustic 12-string guitar on one of the uh, Kelly Russell and Planks tracks on uh, Arthur McBride. So there was a little bit of back and forth there, which was nice to be able to have that connection. That's wonderful. Now, um, of course, uh, you talk about the Planks. Uh, Two of the members that uh, would end up, uh, you know, joining the Planks, of course, would be uh, your your pals, uh, Sean Panting and uh, Chris Badstone. Of course, Chris Badstone. Yeah, and Chris is a (laughs) nice friend of mine and a great, uh, you know, kind of like a mentor in a way for me uh, in the media because... um, um, me and him used to work uh, together at uh, Stingray, Newfoundland, and Labrador, of course, um, that hosts VOCM, K-Rock, and Hot 99.1. And uh, right. over the past couple of years, I've really gone to him for some advice and stuff, and uh, he's always been there to lend a helping hand. But um, you two, mm-hmm. uh, you, Sean, and Chris ended up forming the group uh, Drive, and um, they're, when we were talking off the air here, you uh, did uh, have a little bit of a band uh, in the 80s called Joyful Noise. So um, how did you... <laughs> so? How important were Sean Panty and Chris Badstone to uh, your career? And how did the uh, group uh, Drive and, uh, on a further note, Joyful Noise come together? I mean, Sean and Chris are absolutely 100% the most important to like anything that I have done as a musician since 
since I started. Like wow. we are, our musical relationship dates back to high school and hasn't really stopped since then. Like Joyful Noise was the band that we put together, you know, when oh my, I was in grade 11, uh, Sean was in grade 12, that kind of thing. And I mean, you know, we did, we did originals. We did our own originals at the time. We recorded and put out a cassette. Ooh, cassettes. Remember cassettes? Right. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, but I mean, that was a band that was going out playing like covers by The Cure and, uh, you know, The Smiths and, and, and that kind of thing when they were on the radio and wondering why nobody was getting into it. And, uh, you know, after that band had had its run, then that kind of, morphed into Drive. Basically, uh, Joyful Noise was uh, the three of us, plus Bob Earl, who was a keyboard player, and Drive just became the three of us. We went power trio. And, and then that uh, Drive was when we kind of really refocused on, okay, hey, we had we had a lot of fun as a high school band. Now let's, now let's really give it a go of it, you know? So mm -hmm. there was a lot more like going out on tour and, you know, trying to, uh, trying to play in different places across Canada and get on the radio and, you know, hunting for the record deal, like everybody was doing in the nineties and all of that kind of thing. And, uh, we had two CDs out of it. And, um, I think, uh, some songs that really, really stand the test of time, you know? Awesome. Now, uh, of course, uh, the three of you would join uh, forces with Kelly Russell. Of course, Kelly Russell is a big name here in the province. And, um, the godfather actually, of Newfoundland fiddle. Right. And he's actually going to be this year's recipient of the 2023 Newfoundland and Labrador Folk Art Society's Lifetime Achievement Award. So congratulations to him. But the three and, of, I mean, couldn't be couldn't be more well-deserved, for sure. Oh, 1,000%. And the three of you, <laughs> along with Kelly, will go on to form the Planks. And he recorded smash hits, I believe, uh, just look in front of me here, it was 1998, but you can correct me on that as well. But, yeah, um, no, that sounds right. Yeah, 98. Yeah, and um, I think it was only ever released um, digitally. There was never a, a CD uh, for it. Oh, no, there was there was a CD. Yeah, there was a CD release. They have, I mean, they they all sold out. You, you wouldn't find it anywhere now, and it is available digitally now, of course. Um, yeah, the Planks was the Kelly Russell and the Planks. Actually, when it started, there was five of us. There was uh, there was myself and Chris and Sean and Kelly as well and there was also Frank Marr um, on the uh, on the button accordion. Mm -hmm. um, I had played uh, for about two years in the Planker Down Band, which was also the precursor to uh, Kelly Russell and the Planks. That was a, a band that did almost entirely instrumental uh, versions of Newfoundland tunes with a real, almost like a real jazz rock element. So like there was a little bit of, uh, yeah, yeah, there was, a, there, there was a little bit more swing on the go there. Uh -huh. And um, a number of other people in the band as well. But that was where I first kind of met and played with Kelly. And we really, I think we really knew even at the time, like there was a dynamic, there was an interplay there. Um, that was something that was worth uh, worth continuing. And we had been nominated for a East Coast Music Award, and myself and Kelly were there at the uh, at the awards. We didn't win. Ron's Cross won. Great. So they go. Um, but after the award show, we were sitting there going, well, what are we going to do now? Because that band, the Plankerdown band, had kind of won its course. And Kelly kind of looked at me, and I guess he gets the credit, because Kelly looked at me and said, you know what we should do? We should do something that's like you three guys, like drive. You should take what you do. And we should uh, mash that up with what me and Frank do. And uh, we got back to town and started rehearsing, and it was born. 
<laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And that band, oddly enough, has, has probably the longevity. I mean, like you say, you were just at a at a gig for that band there uh, last year, right? So that's um that continues to this day. We recorded some uh, new material a couple years ago, which I guess at this point is probably uh, five or six years ago now. But um, you know, maybe at some point there will be another Kelly Russell and the Planks record or recording come out. Who knows? I would love to hear that once again because I think it's long overdue. Mm-hmm. Yes. And also hearing some of the songs that I heard at the uh, at that show uh, that night uh, last May, um, you did like a version of uh, the ladies Darley had a fight, and um, of course, like oh, yeah, <laughs> yes, that's right. And of course, if you yeah, we oh, go ahead. No, no, no. And I was just going to say, and that came from um, the, the that version of the band has um, Bob Hallett, and he's been a member of the he's been a plank now for about five or six years. And uh, I think that came from uh, that came from him actually the idea that we should do Lady Starley. But yeah, I mean a lot of fun. Like and and that's what we do. We take some of these like you know classics and uh, run them through the Planks filter. <laughs> yeah, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Now of course um, the Planks and um, Drive are really like your bread and butter when it comes to performing in the Newfoundland and Labrador music scene. But just researching once again, um, you've played with more bands uh, than I can really recall. Um, or you've been like a session artist for uh, some of these groups. I mean, you've worked with the likes of Dave Anthony, Dave Panting, The Punters. Or actually, no, that's Dave, that should be Sean Panting, because I think Sean's Panting's album is called Look Around. Actually, I think I did I did a... Uh, no, Dave Panting's record is called Look Around. Um, <clears throat> and I did do... I did play on one track on that. But Sean, yes, for sure. Sean, I've uh, played on uh, two of his records, Man of the Year and Receiver, and um, played live with him for years as well. Uh, the Pumpers, uh, I'm on a, a couple of Pumpers records and uh, played live in that band for close to 20 years. Larry's a fantastic guy. Um, yeah, and like I say, I've done session stuff with uh, Amelia Curran, uh, Hey Rosetta, Alan Doyle, um, yeah, tons, tons of people. Yeah, so out of those groups, I'm going to put you on the spot here, Adam. Um, oh, one, my God. Yeah, which one is your favorite to have worked with and uh, why? Yeah, no, that is on the spot. I really, <laughs> I, I mean, my God, Zach, I wouldn't be able to say. There's you know, there's different things that come out of all of them. I guess, I guess what it comes down to sometimes is, you know, what kind of gig is it? And I don't mean like, you know, what kind of genre or anything, but like how much, how much space is there for me to bring me into what's going on uh-huh. as opposed to what the, as opposed to what the person wants. Like, you know, there are some situations that, that you'll play in as a, as a guest musician or a side musician or a studio guy where you're basically, you're being called upon to, you know, provide this and only this, and this is what we want. Let's get it right. And there we go. And then there's other situations that are a lot more collaborative, right? Um, where you kind of build it as you go. I think, like, uh, I did a track a recording recently with Amelia Kern, um, a song called Clean Slate, fantastic song. <clears throat> and that was, uh, that session was um, Amelia, of course, playing guitar and singing, and uh, Andrew Dale was there uh, playing the bazooki, and the uh, bass was Don Ellis. And drums was me, and that was really that was a situation kind of where there was there was a track that you know Amelia had had written, and we all got together in the studio and 
you know, jammed it a couple of times and figure out how it's going to end. No, we'll take it here, take it there, and then, you know, record it. And that felt like, you know, even though it's absolutely completely her song, but it felt like a more collaborative kind of uh, process of recording, right? That would happen a lot, too, with Sean, with Sean Panting. I mean, his records are, even though, yes, they're his songs, he ran none of it. It all comes from the mind of Sean. But I do, you know, when I do hear those records, I do feel a little bit of a sense of, uh, you know, ownership of how it turned out. Like, you know, you can hear stuff and go, ah, I remember, I remember that little bit. And they, they, where we, you know, took it around that corner and did that little uh, tweak there. And, you know, there's, a, there feels those types of situations, I guess, situations where there feels like there's some artistic contribution to be made. Those are the ones that really fill the soul and become memorable. For sure. Now, um, I think one of the main reasons I got you on is to, you know, talk about um, because you made a post uh, on your not just your personal but your uh music Facebook page about uh your battles with uh, agoraphobia and panic disorder. And um, again, the mm-hmm. last ever gig that you played uh, at live uh, in a long time was that Planks gig. And I remember meeting you that night, and uh, I was trying to talk to you, and you didn't really talk to me. But uh, of course, uh, it was not for a fact that you. I uh, didn't know who I was, but um, it's because yeah. you were dealing with a panic episode. So uh, tell me. A yes, little, absolutely. So yeah, so tell me a little bit about um, how you, how uh, your agoraphobia and your panic disorder has affected your life and career, and um, why you decided to stop playing uh, right then and there or live, I should say. Well, yeah, well, I didn't. I mean, I guess to be clear, is I I didn't decide to um, stop playing right then and there as a snap judgment. That was. Uh, that was very much like the straw that broke the camel's back kind of thing. Like I had been even, even before the pandemic, I mean, I had been sometimes having uh, episodes of panic. And so when, when I'd be going to do gigs and thinking, I, I don't know how much longer I can do this. And not just because of uh, musical activities, but basically the whole mental health thing, the whole, uh, the development of panic disorder, and then subsequently the agoraphobia that comes with it, I just was finding it increasingly more and more difficult to even like, you know, leave the house, right. To get out and be social and, and be in a room full of people. And, um, it, it had become over, over the year, I guess a lot of 2000, uh, a lot of 22 to 23, I had done a number of gigs that had each one of them had been, accompanied by a just big panic blowout Mm -hmm. in some cases i remember when we did a uh, sean panting gig at the uh, arts and culture center which was a fantastic show but i made it onto stage uh three songs late because when you know the whole band was supposed to go on and i just couldn't you know there was it wasn't going to happen and so it was three songs in before I just finally mustered up the ability and walked on. It was actually right in the middle of the song. Wow. Uh, walked on, walked up behind the behind the set and uh, up behind the kit and started playing. And afterwards, it's funny, like it, it, people don't know, right? Afterwards, somebody said, man, you came out in the middle of that tune and walked in. It's just like it'd be totally scripted. It's like, that was awesome. I'm like, good. I'm, I'm glad it looked that way because <laughs> that really wasn't what was going on, right? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so that particular night at that Plank show, that was just one where it was another it was another panic attack. I was in the kitchen of the ship, you know, uh, dizzy, uh, unable to think straight, that kind of thing, and just 
finally just looked at my wife, Adele, who's awesome, and, and said, I can't. I can't do this anymore. This has to be it. I have to. This this is the one, right? This will be the demarcation line. And since then, I have not done a live gig. And I'm, I describe myself right now as retired from uh, from performance. Not retired from music, but retired from performance. Yeah, like live And I guess... Yeah, from from live performance, and I guess that's um, that has really fed into this new EP and the and the one that came out previously because all of those songs deal with that. And because I don't have live performance as an outlet anymore, um, I'm kind of channeling it all back into that, kind of going back to where I started. You know, as a high schooler writing songs and wanting the world to hear my songs, and now it's uh, you know now I'm a fifty year old guy. Back to writing songs, wanting the wanting the world to hear my songs, and um, yeah. that's kind of fun too, you know, to re, to refocus on it on a different side of things. Being a session guy and getting to play with all these different musicians is great, and I love that live interplay that you really don't get from anything else. You know, uh-huh. that uh, musicians on stage, there's there's an electricity to it, you know. And I know that sounds hackneyed, but it really is. It is the case. You're on stage. There is a back and forth. There is a spontaneous creation that happens that's cool, right? But at the same time, I've been doing that for so long that I had kind of neglected the, uh, you know, creative, obsessive side of it that... Uh, that so often is the kernel of why you get started in the first place. So it's kind of been nice to go back to that. Yeah. Um, that's a incredible story though. Um, and I'm so happy that you've turned to a uh, recording just, you know, help you really like, you know, try to conquer your, your demons in a way, because um, when it comes to um, live performance, like I, I, I do like understand what you're going through here because uh, when, it, and especially coming out of the pandemic too, where like the mental health now I think we're going to be mm-hmm. seeing more like uh, more people like, you know, taking their own lives or, uh, you know, like really struggling with their mental health Ooh. because like I think the pandemic, you know, exacerbated um, like the, the the trouble we have with mental health uh, today, too. And uh, I think it's going to get even worse from yep. here. Absolutely. And I know I know surely it was uh, it was hard on a lot of people. I think for myself, like that wasn't certainly wasn't the only factor because seeing as how I'd had kind of social anxiety developing for a while, the pandemic was actually kind of a, a bit of a godsend. <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, you have to stay home? Hey, I, I, I could do that. <laughs> right? <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. No, but, it um, is what it is. No, but yeah, l- listen, man, I'm, I'm happy that you've uh, managed to, you know, find recording as a way to, you know, like, you know, be happy uh, with music and not really be out in a crowd like that. I mean, of course, I'll miss you uh, playing live, but uh, of course, if whatever makes you happy and whatever makes you content with yourself, uh, I will support you all the way. Hey, man, that's cool. You released your debut solo record, Super Antihero, uh, and that was um, your first ever solo EP, which you writ and which you have written and produced all by yourself. Um, so, yep. this late into your career, uh, why release a solo album then? Well. That one, I mean, that one was the pandemic uh, thing for sure. That was like recorded in 2020, 21 when everything was shut down and I was just kind of going crazy and I got to do something. And I've always wanted to be able to have that, you know, home studio DIY, do it all yourself kind of thing. And it, it just, it, it was almost, it was almost more of a personal challenge to see like, 
okay, can I do this? Can I do a record where I am writing it all, playing it all, uh, you know, producing it all, and just do the whole thing myself? And uh, you know, it turns out it, it was a, turns out it was a decent EP. People liked it, so I, I'm now kind of on that um, <clears throat> on that path. And it's funny to, to talk about that just after having talked about like the electricity of you know, collaborating with other people and that kind of thing. That is great, but there's also the you know closing it off to other people and just being the sole the the prime animator of something is another really. It's 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 rewarding in a different way. Oh, for sure, and uh, of course, uh, that's actually going to lead into uh, your most recent EP, which is coming out um, later this month. Uh, it's called "Quiet Part Loud." Now, of course, I will talk mm-hmm. about um, what people can expect in this album and talk about the title track further. But I just want to ask, uh, what's going to be different from this upcoming record versus the the one you did in twenty twenty one, Super Antihero? I would say, well, the first and most obvious thing uh, that's different about it is I am not the only person on it. On this one, uh, whereas Super Antihero was uh, completely 100% Adam Staple joint, um, this Acquire uh, Part Loud is uh, 97% an Adam Staple joint. I have uh, three guests who've uh, contributed to three tracks. Um, and there's some wonderful connections there. There's uh, Jane Batstone, who uh, has her own. Uh, EP came out last year, the year before, called Line Art, uh, which is fantastic. And of course, Jane is the daughter of Chris Batstone. Um, so having her be able to contribute to a record that I'm doing uh, was just a wonderful way of kind of keeping that connection going full circle. I have Kellyanne Evans, who uh, I've been playing with for years and who's just a, you know an incredible, incredible singer and musician. Uh, she has contributed vocals to a track called um, "Vegas Moment," which is kind of uh, kind of my take on the uh, on the whole idea of uh, Peter Gabriel, Kate Bush, "Don't Give Up" kind of thing. It's a it's it's a dialogue represented by two uh, two separate internal voices, and so you know Kellyanne represents one of the other voices, whereas you know I am the I'm I guess the center the central voice, and then Kellyanne is the other point of view. And I have Kelly Russell, of course. And I mean, geez, anytime you can call on a guy who's, you know, got the Order of Canada and the Order of Mary Browns and the uh, <laughs> and the Order of Chesses, you know, anytime you can call upon somebody like that to, uh, you know, hey, you want to come over and play on one of my songs? And he says, yeah, no problem. I mean, that's, you know, I consider myself pretty blessed to be able to do that. But I have him uh, turning up, uh, dropping fiddle on a absolutely apocalyptic cover of Rapture by Blondie. That that's crazy. So I, had, I can't wait to hear that. Yeah, yeah. So I have I have a Blondie uh, cut where uh, I mean you know nobody wants to hear me rap. So I thought, well, what am I going to put here instead of a rap? Oh, I know Kelly Russell playing fiddle. So it's uh, that's uh, I'm excited for people to hear that. So there's that, and um, I guess there's uh, a little bit more. I've I've just gotten better at it. I've gotten better at I I think at the whole process of. Uh, writing and recording my own stuff and being that DIY guy. And, um, yeah, I'm just really, really looking forward for people to hear the cuts and hear what's on there. It's not, it's not all the same kind of one song, you know, it goes all over the place. Yeah. And I cannot wait to hear the full record when it does come out, um, later, uh, this June, but, um, of course, let's mm-hmm. talk about the title track, uh, quiet part loud. Of course, uh, tell me a little bit about the title track and, uh, 
What else can people expect on uh, Quiet Part Loud? I've often heard that phrase uh, spoken in terms of bad things. You know, like when when somebody uh, somebody uh, let's say uh, somebody some celebrity makes some mistake and accidentally says something that's uh, considered you know racist or sexist or or terrible, and it's like, oops, they said the quiet part loud, and it's like it's revealing what they actually think. And you know, in most cases, it's presented as a negative, and obviously, if what the person actually thinks is something that's you know racist or sexist or or the like, then yes, certainly it is negative. But from my point of view, with with mental health uh, being a real primary issue in my life right now, and with like you know battles that I've had that over the, over the past decade or so. One of the biggest uh, obstacles I've found to overcome is the idea of normalizing having a mental illness Mm -hmm. and having that not be something to be ashamed of or to keep under wraps or to keep hidden from people because I find there is a stigma and I don't know where I learned it. I don't know where we all learned it. But there is a stigma to that, the idea that having a mental illness or having a mental health uh, issue or crisis means that you have failed somehow. You've done something wrong. It's your fault. It's something you should be ashamed of or hide from other people. And I got the idea, and you know, credit my therapist uh, with this as well, that this phrase of quiet part loud can be kind of reclaimed to be like, instead of oops, I said the quiet part loud more like, you know what? I'm saying the damn quiet part loud. <laughs> this, this, you know, this, it, it, it represents to me, it represents being open and out there with the struggles that you're going through and not being ashamed of them and not being, you know, not feeling like you have to, uh, hide the stuff away anymore. And for me, that's that's what Quiet Part Loud represents. It represents, yeah, this is me. This is what I'm going through. Here it is. Boom. Take it or leave it. Yeah, for sure. And you said, like, normalizing uh, having a mental illness. Of course, uh, myself, uh, I have autism spectrum disorder. And uh, when I may post about that in the past, of course, uh, my, the, the purpose of it really wasn't to, you know, like, okay, this is who I am. I'm a person on the autism spectrum. It's just to let know, okay, this is me. And this is what I am dealing with. I just want you to uh, accept and make sure that you're aware of it. And especially where you're mm-hmm. talking about your agoraphobia and your panic disorder. This is like, okay, this doesn't define me. I'm more than just my disorder. I am a multi-talented uh, singer-songwriter and producer and drummer. Um, and this is what I'm dealing with. And you're just going to have to accept and uh, you know be aware that I got it. So um, I'm glad that you're yeah. um, pu- putting the the uh, talking point forward of, you know, normalizing mental health, because really in this day and age, we need to. Honestly, Zach, it is for me, it's therapy. It like it, and it's one, and it's one of the biggest parts of it because that, that internal, the internalized shame of having a mental health disorder is one of the, you know, how can, how can you even get started on, uh, you know, living with something or healing something or recovering something if you're feeling ashamed of it. Right. And if you're feeling ashamed of it and it's something that's, and especially if it's something that's chronic and if it's something that's going to come back and you're feeling ashamed of it, well then, I mean, you're shooting yourself in the foot before you even start, right? So that idea of 
saying the quiet part loud, making it not the quiet part anymore. You know, this is this is it. This is this is part of it, and it, I find it really it sucks all the power. Well, not all, but it sucks a lot of power away from it. You know, you don't you don't give it that power over yourself by being you. You name your demons, you know, and it helps you. It helps you kill them when you name them. Oh, for sure. Now, um, we have a few more uh, questions to go before we uh, get to your uh, song, Quiet Part Lab. Absolutely. Fantastic. Um, what's next for you, Adam? What's next? Oh, golly. I don't know. I mean, I've, I've, I still, I'm continuing to write. There's, there's tracks that, uh, there's songs that didn't make it onto this EP that, um, and there's songs that didn't make it onto the last one that I'm sure will, you know, potentially make it onto the next one. I haven't really, I haven't really thought about that, uh, in depth at this point because I've kind of been focused on getting this out. Um, back when I was playing, I would have said, well, there's going to be a live show here and I'm also playing with all of us. Any of those things, uh, you know, lined up right now. So I guess you're just going to have to wait and see that. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Now, um, for people who want to find out more about, um, when this album, uh, is like coming out or, um, what you're going to be doing next, uh, where can they go to? Well, uh, the record comes out June 27th, uh, anywhere you stream your music. It is, uh, the first song, Quiet Part Loud, is available, uh, to listen to right now on Bandcamp. And, um, in fact, that's where you can also, uh, pre-order uh, the vinyl. It's going to be coming out on vinyl in August. And, uh, yeah. And so that's, uh, they can go, they can go to my Bandcamp or they can find me wherever you stream your music. Well, Adam, uh, it's been a pleasure to chat with you and uh, have you, uh, you know, open up about your mental health battle. Of course, uh, you're an inspiring individual, and uh, I say definitely people who thank you, Zach, for, for sure. And uh, for people who are going to be listening to this podcast down the road, they can look at you and saying, "Okay, this guy's doing amazing work while you know having this uh, battle on the side, but um, he's he's doing really well right now, and I'm so glad to see that you are doing well, and uh, you're finding well, cheers, uh, man. and you're finding uh, a whole new." Um, path for you and i'm glad you're succeeding with it so adam staple thank you so much for joining me on musical connections you have a wonderful day and um keep fighting the good fight cool man pleasure to be here cheers man what a great conversation and what a great role model that is adam staple for you on musical connections we were next to connect with him and you can get his brand new ep quiet part loud on Bandcamp on june 27th and the lp that is going to be coming with this brand new album will be out on August the 12th. Here is that title track for you now on the Musical Connections podcast.
up episode 28 of Musical Connections. A big thank you to Adam Staple for joining me as my guest this week, and a huge thank you to all the musicians who sent me music for newfound releases. Of course, if you have any newfound releases you want to send me or would like to be a guest, let me know by emailing me to musicalconnectionsnl at gmail.com. New episodes of Musical Connections drop every Tuesday at 12 noon, Newfoundland Standard Time, on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. Next week's guest, we are going to be talking to Alberta residing, but Wabush-born Darina Harvey of the Darina Harvey Band. The band's got a brand new album called Waves of Home set to come out June 23rd, and we're going to talk to her all about that, plus growing up in a musical family and a whole lot more. And the week after that, on June the 20th, we are going to be speaking to 15-year-old singer-songwriter Summer Bennett. And just for the age that she is at, she has accomplished so much in so little time. She is the third ever signee to Silly Cove Records, and she was the winner of the 2021 Newfound Talent Contest. We're going to talk to her all about those moments, plus some more memories she has made over the course of her short career, and so much more. So stay tuned to my socials for those promos. That's going to do it for the Musical Connections podcast. Thank you so much for connecting. I've been your host, Zach Snow. Stay safe and please be kind to one another. And until next time, safe home.